Welcome to the John Brown University Chapel Podcast, recorded in the historic Cathedral of the Ozarks in Salem Springs, Arkansas. This week's chapel speaker was Dr. Curtis Cunningham. Dr. Cunningham is an assistant professor of teacher education, as well as the chair of teacher education and graduate education. Good morning, JBU. I am so thankful to be with you this morning to continue talking about our encounters with Jesus. This truly is a fascinating topic. I once heard a pastor say that anyone who encounters Jesus has to make a life-changing decision, simply by virtue of who Jesus claims to be, the Son of God, the chosen Messiah. You either believe that Jesus is the Son of God, or you don't. The consequences of this uh, are are personal, and they're life-changing, eternally life-changing. Which brings us to our text for today, John chapter 3. Perhaps this is what Nicodemus is trying to sort out when he meets Jesus. John 3.1 says there was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So Nicodemus was well-respected in his community. People paid attention when he spoke. His opinion had value. He was noticed when he entered the room. If we read on a little farther in verse 10, Jesus refers to him as a teacher of Israel. Jesus says, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? Jesus is referring to some teaching that he had just done to Nicodemus. Nicodemus had studied scripture. He taught scripture. Some might say he was a scholar. Maybe he studied at the top synagogue. Maybe he finished top of his class, summa cum laude. The point is that Nicodemus had a very impressive resume, at least by the world standards. Jesus, on the other hand, didn't have a very impressive resume. He was a carpenter from Nazareth. Now, this might have been a very respectable profession, but certainly nothing that would earn a man the title of ruler of the Jews or teacher of Israel. It's clear in the text from verses 3 through 9 of John 3 that Nicodemus, the teacher, is very confused and struggling to understand what Jesus has been teaching. So we have this highly respected man coming to ask questions of a man that many in his day would have seen as a commoner. Maybe that's why Nicodemus came at night, but it does create this interesting power dynamic. I've wondered what it would take for me to humble myself, to seek someone out to teach me about my area of expertise. So this is my 20th year of teaching, and I can't imagine a scenario where I would sit down to learn from someone who has no formal training, especially if what that person is sharing in any way contradicts what I've been teaching. You see, I've studied curriculum theory, I've studied instructional theory, child and adolescent development, I've applied all of that to a variety of classroom settings in public school and here at JBU. If I don't know about teaching, I don't know about anything. 
But with Nicodemus, there was something that caught his attention. Something caused him to pause and consider what Jesus was teaching. We can also infer from the text that Nicodemus had heard Jesus speak, or at least knew of Jesus' reputation. In verse 2, Nicodemus says, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God as a teacher, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. So Nicodemus humbles himself enough to learn from Jesus, and Jesus is gracious in his response, willing to meet Nicodemus exactly where he is. I taught kindergarten early in my career, and it was a fabulous experience. One of my favorite things about teaching kindergarten was teaching children to read, or for some, teaching them to read more fluently. Obviously, at that point in my life, I was a pretty good reader, and I understood all the component pieces of reading. The difference between phonemes and morphemes, strategies to support students in comprehension and fluency, all of that information was floating around in my head. Of course, my students didn't need to know all of that. They simply needed to know how to read. They needed to know that letters make sounds, and those sounds come together to make words, and those words form sentences, and so on. Teaching them to learn to read was one of the most important parts of my job, because the ability to read is a gateway into lots of other opportunities in life. My job was to present truth in the simplest terms possible, and that's exactly what Jesus did for Nicodemus and what he does for us. It's one of the most beautiful parts of this passage. That Jesus shares the truth with Nicodemus in simple terms. Here we have a teacher of the law, and Jesus explains his purpose in simple terms. It's as if he says, I'm going to make this so simple for you, Nicodemus, that five-year-olds will memorize this verse. In fact, it'll become one of the most recognizable verses in all of Scripture. So let's look at those verses a little more closely. Verses 16 and 17. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. There's so much truth packed into these two verses. Jesus unveils his purpose. He shares the truth of the gospel to a leader of Israel, a ruler of the Jews. He shares it in a simple way for us as well. Studying scripture is always a good use of time. And finding truth in the complexities of the Old and New Testament is a worthy pursuit. There's also a time and place for resting and reflecting on a simple truth like the one Jesus shared with Nicodemus. For God loved the world in this way. He loved the world. He loves P 
people like you and me and people not like you and me. The ignition of this entire story is God's love for you and me and the entire world. And honestly, I don't know why he loves the world sometimes, but I believe that he does. And why are we not sharing this? How can we just sit on this truth? What would change if the world actually believed that God loves them? For God loves the world in this way, he gave his one and only son. God took action. His love compelled him to act. He demonstrated his love for the world through a gift, a singularly unique gift, his son. The gift is one of a kind. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus explains the consequences of accepting the gift. Again, it's beautifully simple. We know that God's plan to reconcile the world to him happens through accepting his gift, his son. For God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world, but the world might be saved through him. It's almost as if, as believers, we make a deal with God. You send your son to save the world. I'll accept the gift of salvation. And in return, I'll take care of condemning the world. Now, I'm not a biblical scholar, but I can't think of a time during Jesus' ministry when he had to make someone aware of their sin. I don't think that he went around tapping anyone on the shoulder saying, are you aware that you're kind of messed up? Now, there might be one exception to this, and that would be the Pharisees. Jesus did take them to task, like he did in Matthew 23, where he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones and dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. For most of us, we're intimately aware of what's not going well. Most people who live apart from God are aware that their life is not going well. Sometimes it seems as though the church, the bride of Christ, has taken it upon ourselves to clean everybody up before we introduce them to God's love. The whole point of sending his son was to reach and redeem a lost and dying world. I've been asking the Lord to awaken my spirit, to reignite my passion for him and the gospel. This has been going on for several weeks I imagine him leading me to some passage in one of the minor prophets where I could experience some great epiphany and share it with everyone. That didn't happen. Instead, he led me to John 3.16. I've been challenged by one of the simplest truths in Scripture. But maybe it's not so simple. Maybe it's one thing to memorize it in elementary school, and it's another thing to live it as a college student or professor. 
As an intellectual or an academic, I love to think. In fact, at dinner, oftentimes with my family, we'll be sharing about our day, and I simply add, well, I thought a lot. It's a bit of a hobby of mine, and it's good. It's how God designed me, and he uses my mind for his glory, and the same is true for you. By virtue of the fact that you're watching this video, you must be pretty smart. You wouldn't be here if you weren't. The people who stand in front of you and teach on a regular basis, they're pretty smart. As are the staff members that you interact with, the administrative assistants that you encounter on a daily basis. They're all pretty smart. In fact, God has assembled some great minds at JBU. But let us not forsake the simple truth of the gospel. Among all the analyzing and evaluating, dissecting, all the deep thinking that we do, maybe we should pause for a moment and consider how are we living out the gospel of Jesus Christ? I want to invite you to close your eyes and to hear the word of the Lord. For God loves the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. If that truth is profound enough for Nicodemus, it's certainly profound enough for us to spend some time reflecting. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for the truth of your word. We thank you for your patience. We thank you for the honor of learning from you. God, help us to be faithful as we seek ways to live out your gospel. In your son's name, amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the John Brown University Chapel Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, and we'd love it if you'd leave us a review.